0: giving honor to God, the Father Almighty, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with thanks again also to Pastor Gerald for this opportunity to stand in his steed. Heidi, you surely will be missed wherever you just disappeared to just, you'll be missed on our staff and our team, you and your family, and we thank God for all that you have done. This morning, let's turn to the Word of God. Let's stand for the reading. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, beginning with the 22nd verse, reading through the 36th verse. I am reading from the English Standard Version this morning. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with his fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. This is God's word. You may be seated. Let us pray. We bless you, Father, for your kindness in meeting with us in worship and in dwelling among your people, walking among us. We praise you, the one with all power, the power to redeem and to heal, to deliver and to save, to pour out mercy and also to give wisdom. Would you now, God, give us hearts that are prepared to receive the seed of the word of God? Would you bring forth fruit? as only your spirit can do. Thank you for the death of Christ on our behalf. Thank you that he defeated death and rose again from the dead with all power in his hand. And even now he rules from the heavens to pour out his kindnesses, your joy upon us. Bless now that there will be power for the sermon to go forth in truth and in righteousness. May you exalt the name of Christ among the nations through what is done here today. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One morning last week, I arrived at my local Metro Station building, which also doubles for a coffee shop. The music was playing pretty loud, even though it was only just before 6 a.m. Over the loudspeakers, I could hear Frank Sinatra's classic rendition of the Paul Anka song, My Way. And because I was already at work on this sermon, I gave much more attention to the lyrics than I ever have. (laughs) Most of you are familiar with the words of Sinatra's requiem. Here it is. And now, the end is near. And so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full, I've traveled each and every highway and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course Each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all, and I stood tall and did it my way. I've loved, I've laughed and cried, I've had my fill, my share of losing. And now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that. And may I say, not in a shy way, oh no, no, not me, I did it my way. For what is man, what has he got? if not himself then he has not to say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels the record shows i took the blows and i did it my way and did it my way i did it my way regrets bit off more than i could chew losing took the blows no matter as long as I was in charge of my own life and did not humble myself before anyone. I just overlooked those pains in life by laughing off that other stuff at the tail end of life. The laughter part is not so much in touch with day-to-day realities or truthfulness, but the song remains a tremendous celebration of human autonomy. Naturally, we desire to be autonomous, We want to go it alone, taking the risk and defeating the odds. We want to figure it out on our own or to show everyone that we do know what we're doing when everyone else is saying, no, don't do it. Autonomy is honored and celebrated in our society. The problem with autonomy is not the success stories of human achievement. The problem is the wishes for do overs in midlife when there are no time machines to reverse the course set by a decision or decisions ages ago. And the problem is the pain and guilt and sorrow that accompanies our regrets. Yet those painful spots we carry within point to something greater than a desire for autonomy. For if autonomy yielded perfection, the autonomous could not experience pain. The painful spots instead point to a real and inherent need for guidance toward joy rather than pain. In scripture, this is known as the need for wisdom. And thankfully, the Bible also has a book full of wisdom, wisdom from the very mouth of God, and that book is Proverbs. Now, Before we go to Proverbs, if you have been following our series, we have been defining human existence as being created with the desire to need. We do not live in this world as needless or totally self-sufficient or without desires for more wired into our beings. We desire love, peace, purpose, and dignity. Like the rock badgers in Psalm 104, as Pastor Gerald explained, we all look beyond ourselves to something greater than ourselves to fill our deepest longings. Also, if you have been following our series, you know that we have been starting in Genesis 1 through 3 as the basis of our discussion. We are looking at what the Lord did in the creation account of Adam, Eve, and all humankind in order to see our needs to understand why such needs exist in the world and what Christ does to redeem those needs and be their fulfillment. Such needs, we have said, have been here since the beginning of human time. Human time and its beginning is the very place in history where Proverbs 8 will address autonomy and the need for guidance by showing us the value of gaining wisdom. So in Proverbs 8:22 through 36 which we just read, we will see a few things. First thing we'll see is that guidance predates the creation. Proverbs 8:1 tells us that wisdom is speaking. If you were to roll back to the top for which we do not have time, you would see I wisdom is the one that is speaking. The writer personifies wisdom as a beautiful maiden offering herself in marriage to those in need of her. In a bold claim of her own value to you and I, she says that she was here before the creation of all things. That is, she was here before Genesis 1-1 before in the beginning God created. She was here before the Spirit of God hovered the face of the waters in Genesis 1-2. Wisdom was here before God said, let there be light. The all-powerful all-knowing and truly self-sufficient creator saw the use of wisdom as necessary for what he was about to do in the creation. So certainly wisdom must be good for and needful for feeble, finite, and limited in knowledge creatures like us. And if you are here today and have trouble with thinking of yourself as fine art or feeble, just remember that God does not go to the doctor or cough or sneeze. And remember that God does not take showers or need Dio. That's us. The birthing language used in this passage, you see it over and over again. I was brought forth. uh, uh, I was... Uh, Before the mountains were shaped, I was brought brought forth in here. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. That birthing language used in the passage indicates that wisdom is an extension of God. This should not be pri- surprising, for the New Testament describes God as the only wise God in Romans 16. And it is the Apostle Paul also who, after laying out the gospel of God in the decree of salvation for Israel and the Gentiles, who exclaims, Oh, the depths and riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and inscrutable are his ways, for who has known the mind of the Lord in Romans 11. Paul says of God that his wisdom is unsearchable or it's without limit and it is unscrutable or it's incomprehensible. God before the beginning of the world, saw the importance of creating a world in wisdom, of utilizing wisdom to make the world and its laws, and to launch his decree in wisdom. Before oceans, rivers, mountains, hills, fields, the Creator started by pulling out wisdom so he could create all things wisely. As Pastor Ray Ortland says, so wisdom is how everything started and how everything still works. Wisdom is the secret code to reality. Wisdom is external to us. When Pam and I were raising our children, the five C's as they're affectionately known, When I wanted to express to them a need to listen to their mother or me, occasionally I reminded them of how it is that we came into this world. I simply said, you know, God could have made us come into this world as an adult, but he did not. He made us come into the world in such a way that we would need guidance from parents the moment we arrived until you get out on your own. Of course, we need guidance. This is the most obvious need. We were not born into the world with knowledge of how to do everything or even of anything. And even those of you who act like you know everything, you do not know all things completely or perfectly. Both because you are not about to exhaust knowledge and because the knowledge that we all have is limited by sin. But God used wisdom Adam and Eve needed that wisdom. You and I need such wisdom. We need guidance from something or someone that is external to us, the same way God had guidance in the creation. These verses also show that guidance is present in the created order, making all things perfectly beautiful and joyous. I like seeing delight and rejoicing associated with wisdom in these verses. Down in verse 30, it says that when God was doing all the creation, wisdom says, Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. As one of the commentary writers says on this verse, joy breaks out whenever wisdom is exercised. (laughs) Wisdom intends enjoyment as the Proverbs 8 figure of speech shows. It is not that wisdom is a person co-creating with God. That's not what Proverbs mean when wisdom says, I. God is the one exercising wisdom as he makes all things, and God is getting delight and rejoicing in doing so because wisdom is working with him in the creation. Wisdom made God happier in his already eternally full happiness. When God was guided by wisdom to establish V.Y. Canis Majoris, the largest, brightest known star in the universe, and place it 4,900 light-years away from where he would place the earth, he stepped back and said, Oh yeah, I like that. And when God made the Whirlpool galaxy in what looks like a swirl of stars that made it visible to amateur astronomers by telescope or even by binoculars, he nodded with joy and said, Isn't that beautiful? Thank you, wisdom. And when God made the elusive giant squid, the powerful workhorse, the tameable and loyal dog of many stripes, and the annoying mole, when God was creating waterfalls, beaches, great lakes, and kayakable rivers and creeks, kayakable is not a word, but we're going to use it today. And great northern lights, all for interest, excitement, research, and utility to us in this present world. He put the final touches on each, looked at wisdom with a big smile, and said, great job. As John Calvin wrote, there is not one little blade of grass, there is no color in this world that is not intended to make people rejoice. Most of us do not like authority figures telling us what to do, and we certainly do not want those beneath us in status telling us what to do, as if a lower status keeps people from giving guidance on a matter where their understanding might excel our own. We do not like to receive guidance or wisdom because we associate guidance and wisdom with correction or with ignorance or with nagging or with being treated like a child rather than being treated like an adult. But that's not how God views wisdom. Wisdom is something that intends our delight in life rather than heartache. It intends our rejoicing rather than sadness, sorrow, or numbness. Many of us also view guidance, advice, or counseling, especially professional counseling, as weakness. Only the faint or inept ask for help. Like Tom Cruise belittling Brooke Shields for taking antidepressants. Or like Kanye West claiming he was misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder. Seemingly because he does not want that label to be associated with his behavior, so we relegate the need for help to those not self-actualized, not courageous, or not man enough to handle life. Wrongly, however, we miss out on the powerful knowledge, skills, and God-giftedness of professional therapists to move us toward delight and away from anger, despair, confusion, despondency, narcissism, and many more trenches too powerful for self-awareness and inner strength to overcome. Guidance is for the weak, so we think but actually it is for those brave enough to admit someone else has knowledge useful to me I cannot obtain on my own. Truthfully, we all have an internal compass that guides us. Often it is guiding us subconsciously rather than consciously and it is one usually rooted in fear and past unpleasant experiences rather than in pleasant ones. Our compasses try to avoid pain rather than re-experience joy. So, if you were hurt by an overbearing or abusive parent, you might not want guidance in parenting, but you probably need it because you are parenting from a stance of avoidance, which can limit your child's experiences because of your own limitations. Or if you were once royally embarrassed by not having knowledge on a topic when speaking in public, you might now be one who gathers all knowledge on a topic so that you can bury in information anyone who challenges you on anything. So, when someone else suggests to you that you need to pull back your tone or knowledge when speaking to your coworkers, you cannot listen to such advice. Yet again, The wisdom being offered does not intend to reinforce feelings of pain. It intends to give you delight, the delight like God had in making all things in the creation. A few weeks ago, Pastor Gerald gave an illustration of denying our need for help when we really need it. He spoke of his experiences in going into a clothing store, being encountered by a store associate, and asked if he needed help, then immediately saying that he did not need help when nothing could be further from the truth based on the infrequency with which he shops for clothes. (laughs) See, I see you remember the illustration, okay? You you remember. Mm -hmm. Contra to Pastor Gerald, when I go into the store or store, I am begging for help. No. I do not mean when I go into a clothing store, I'm talking about when I walk into Home Depot. (laughs) I feel that as soon as I walk in, all eyes are on me and everyone knows that if I walk past the charcoal and light bulbs, which thankfully are at the front of every Home Depot store, that I will be lost or run into hundreds of things that I have no idea how to use. I keep waiting for one of those sales associates to come up to me and say, Sir, you look lost. (laughs) I think you're actually looking for the Hallmark store down the street. (laughs) I am open to guidance because I actually feel helpless in that store. Yet... It shouldn't take feeling helpless to get guidance. Instead, because we are helpless before God to do what is pleasing in his sight, because we want what we to do to please him, and we want his blessings on all things in our lives, we should be looking for guidance and relishing in it when we receive it, knowing that wisdom is just a vehicle on the way to more joy. Guidance also is a matter of life and death. Down in the last few verses, it says, And now, sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction, and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my door. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Personified Lady Wisdom gives an invitation with a promise of reward. Three times she makes a call for one to listen or to hear her instructions. Blessed, she says, are those who listen, obey, and continue in the wisdom God offers. Going after it daily and never neglecting to employ it. That person will find life and based on the parallel line, favored life, or a blessed life. In contrast, Proverbs paints a picture of the one stubborn to hear wisdom from others. That one, Proverbs says, injures himself, or literally it says, does violence to himself. It is of one hastening his own death. You are hurting yourself when you do not listen to wisdom. When you will not receive the guidance, advice, counsel we were designed to receive in the creation, we were designed to have need of, you are hurting yourself if you ignore it. We were designed to align ourselves with the way God made the world. When sin entered the world through Adam's disobedience to God's wisdom, the innate need for wisdom and guidance increased even more. If obtaining wisdom were only a matter of personal choice toward preferred likes and dislikes in this life, then getting guidance would be optional. But wisdom is not optional. It is crucial. It is crucial to avoiding bringing about destruction in your life, the very harm and pain you think your autonomy is avoiding. It is crucial to avoid living skewed from God's design, from right and blessing and life. Therefore, you who are running from thing to thing without being settled, you who are running from job to job because everyone treats you wrong, or you can't make money fast enough at this job, then again in the next one, you who are running from school to school because you can't settle on a major, or what you want to be, or whether to be in school at all, You who are running from relationship to relationship, using and feeling used, allowing untrustworthy people to be in your life, people you can't tell are untrustworthy initially. You who are running from church to church because you can't find one that fits your worship style or programs for children or couples or men's or women's or mission or prayer, listen, Everyone else in your life who is telling you that you need some help or to slow down or to stay in that job for a few years or to wait before entering another relationship is not against you, nor are they crazy, nor are they wrong, nor are they being a hater. In fact... They're telling you to slow down shows that they care for it would be uncaring to let you fall on your face again. In shutting them out and in lashing out at them, you instead need to come before God and say, God, please, I need wisdom. My life is messed up. I do need to slow down. I do need to hear what people are saying. People who love you, want you to have that wisdom. They want you to enjoy all the life that you can enjoy in this life and not hasten your own destruction. Since we are talking about a practical need within, allow me to suggest how we can go about gaining wisdom and enjoying it daily. First, since we know that Lady Wisdom's cry continues for the next 23 chapters of Proverbs or even further than that, you should read Proverbs daily. Read just a chapter a day or a half a chapter a day or four to six verses a day. Whatever you do, that's read it daily like it says here, seeking after her daily. Do it daily so that God's words of wisdom become part of your routine and you have the four or five minutes to do so. Before reading Proverbs daily at one point, I, uh, or by reading Proverbs daily at one point, I picked up a proverb that has saved my life more than once, and I have failed to listen to it more than once to my own detriment. Proverbs twenty nine twenty says, do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Many days, Lady Wisdom has stepped out her front door with this verse to tell me to keep my mouth shut, allowing me to go home or to go to bed happy and without saying something I would later regret saying. In Proverbs 10 through 30, there are at least 500 more verses like that one to help you make your next 1,000 decisions with divine guidance and joy. And with your reading, I might also suggest that you pray and journal. Journal allows you to reflect and see patterns of what the Lord might be doing. and allows you to review the wisdom you gained the days before. Second, respect the structures of order God has established. When the Lord used wisdom to create the material world, he used it also to create the laws and structures that govern how to operate in the world. Wisdom is trying to match how we live with these orders, and I will only discuss two here. First, some structures of order have to do with covenant relationships. By covenant here, I am referring to relationships of mysterious unitings, so that multiple persons in the relationship somehow are also one entity. That is, God placed husband and wives together in the marital covenant. So in wisdom, in that structured order in which two are one, it is joyful for the husband to listen when his wife gives her opinion, view, appeal, or decision without him feeling his authority is being usurped for you are joined as one. Now, you might be tempted here to say, isn't that what got Adam into the mess of the fall? To which I would say, no. The issue for both Adam and Eve was listening to a voice with words contrary to what God has spoken. Wisdom, in contrast, has structures of order in place so that you might hear what God has spoken. Saying something like, honey, what do you think? Is an act of wisdom and an act of delight. In the same way, saying to trusted, mature, believing friends, can you give me your thoughts on this, is an act seeking good for oneself. We are turning to people with whom we are mysteriously united as one by the Holy Spirit, a covenant relationship, that's what we share as believers, and are seeking to line ourselves up with the plan God has for using those relationships happily in the world. Second, some structures of order have to do with authority and submission. These were built in wisdom so that you could live in gladness before God. So if you dismiss them, you dismiss wisdom and your own gladness. That is, if you are supposed to be at work and you skip work without notice, permission, or by copying a lie, you are going astray from the way God has established the world in his wisdom. So the temporary laughter you gain from getting over people at work will result in foolishness. True delight comes by the wisdom of going to work when you are supposed to be at work. Or being in school when you're supposed to be at school. If you are not yet living independently from your parents' authority by establishing your own self-sustainable authority then wisdom is to do what your parents tell you to do, to live within their rules. That's just how God has made the world. Often I will call my father on major decisions while also asking others to pray. Recently, my three girls wanted me to participate in something, and I did not think the Lord was calling me to participate in it. One of them, unable to convince me to make this decision, asked me, did you ask your father what he thinks? What did he say? Yes, that was quite bold of her. But it was satisfying for me because she grasped the point of what I had been trying to teach them all their growing up years. Don't make decisions on your own. Ask for some wisdom. Respecting structures of order also means staying actively involved in meaningful relationships among your, belie- among your believing friends. In this way, you will have friends with whom you can share your thoughts, hopes, dreams, and reflections so that they can speak meaningfully into your life. Third and last, ask the Lord to open your heart to do whatever he wills, whatever he might ask you to do. The Lord cannot guide you fully if there are areas in your life that are off limits to him. You cannot demand that he guide you in one area when there is another area he is not allowed in. You are not seeking guidance if you have already ordered everything perfectly in your life and have no room for the troubling, the messy, the interruptions by others with needs or a whole new trajectory of life that God might bring. That is, if you have no room for the messy with God's joy, the interruptions with God's joy, the troubling but with God's joy. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, prior to the cross, looked to God the Father and said, not my will be done, but your will be done. That will was to give him the most unjust and excruciating death, and for him it was to one as innocent to receive the wrath of God in place of those guilty of sin in place of you and I. 1 Peter 3.18 says Jesus died on behalf, our behalf, the just one, on behalf of the unjust one in order to bring us to God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he who knew no sin became sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God in him. These verses are among many that show what not my will be done, but your will be done, entailed and accomplished. It entails. Christ becoming a sin offering to God for us in order to pay the debt of sin we owed, a debt that would have required our deaths. Instead, we get Christ's righteousness so that we can have life before God. When Paul describes what Christ has done, he identifies it as the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 1:18 and following, he says, "For the word of the cross is following folly, excuse me, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart." Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And in verse 30 of that same chapter, he says, and because of him, God, You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. When Christ said, not my will be done, but your will be done, talking to God, he was acting in the wisdom of God, The death of Christ for sin on behalf of sinners confounds those who think they are wise according to earthly standards, and yet they have no solution for the greatest problem in the world. Their wisdom does not tell them what to do with our sin and our coming judgment before God. But every nail to which Christ yielded, every word of mocking he endured, every thorn etched in his head, every lashing he endured, every desertion by his own, every false accusation of treason, and every bit of God's judgment. Paul says that God stepped back from that and said, I like that. Great job, my son. Way to be open to what I am doing. Now get up from the dead and be exalted over death and rule next to me as one who has acted in and become the very wisdom of God. Stop doing it your own way. Open your heart and mind and say, God, what is your way? And when you start listening to guidance he has put in the mouth of others through Jesus, you will be on your way to wisdom and a life full of more joy. Let us pray. Father, we bless you for your great kindness in giving us wisdom and life and joy. Thank you for creating us to need guidance and wisdom, the very thing that you use in creating us and all things, the very thing that allows us to have gladness and happiness in the things of this present world while looking for your son to return and claim us as his own. Now, God, bless your people that they might know the joy of the pardoning of their sins and the promise of hope that comes from Jesus rising from the dead and his promise to come back and get us. May your mercy be poured out so all of us could grow in wisdom and that deepest need could be f- fulfilled by you. It's in Jesus' name we give thanks and pray. Amen.